Hey guys, a quick note before we start today's show. I bet you're wondering, why have we heard any new ads on So Inappropriate lately? Well, it's because I'm a little too inappropriate for a lot of advertisers and it's been kind of a struggle for me. So, announcement. From here on out, I'm always gonna support Anchor because they've been so good to me and a couple things might pop in from here to there, but what I wanna do going forward is support you guys. Yes, that's right. If you've been loyal to me for even one episode, you are a wonderful valued listener of So Inappropriate and I wanna thank you. If you have a small business, an Etsy shop, if you're a real estate agent with multiple listings, I wanna help you. I have hundreds and hundreds of listeners a week. They can hear your pitch. Send me your small business, send me your Etsy store. I don't care if you make shit out of popsicle sticks and sell it for five bucks on Etsy. I will promote you and I will fill my ad space dedicated every week to a couple of you. So I thought that was a good way to give back to all of you that I love so much and you've been so good to me. Find me on Instagram at Sarah Nichols, N-I-C-O-L-L-S, or at So Inappropriate Pod, and let's get it going. Thank you so much and let's start the show. that today Drake thank you for that compliment it's just wonderful welcome to so inappropriate I hope you had a good week I did sort of I'm kind of hot I'm really hot today and I'm gonna start on a bad I'm gonna start at a negative note I try to cheer myself up with Drake it worked for a second and here we are again I want to talk about house guests. Here's how I feel about this. I get bullied into this in a very perverse, sneaky way a couple times a year, starting in the spring, ending in the fall. I get left alone in the winter for this, but my husband doesn't listen to me when I tell him that I don't like it. And I'm hoping maybe he'll listen to this and he won't be able to interrupt me. So you can hear the whole thing out front here. And I want I want everyone else to listen to this too. Because if you ever want to come to my house and you sense my trepidation, I want you to know why. Okay? I want you to know why. Now let me preface this by saying I enjoy entertaining. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy having the plates that look like they're breakable, but you can have them outside and they don't break and that's fun and whatever. But... You know, I really don't like uh, the fact that I have this thing that's ingrained in me that I feel like when people come to my home, it needs to be clean. It needs to be just so. It Things need to be arranged properly. I don't feel comfortable letting people into my space unless I know that it's going to be relaxing and aesthetically pleasing and 
you know, I want them to feel comfortable and have it look nice. And I want to be honest with you that 99% of the time my house is like basically a giant before picture and a to-do list. And it's stressful as someone who spends their time at home. It's stressful to, you know, have that, you know, weighing on you, especially when you know that someone that isn't in your space a lot, um, when they come over, when people come over, they, I get stressed out knowing that these things aren't done and I, I get a lot of anxiety about it. So my husband will do this thing where he'll say, you know, a week in advance, oh, so-and-so is coming from such and such place and we're going to play golf and whatever. And I'm like, okay. Oh, we might get dinner with them. I'm like, eh, I don't really feel like it. Like, whatever. And I don't really like going out during the week. I don't like doing stuff during the week. Like, I'll go out with girlfriends, but, like, to get dressed up and, like, go to, like, a couple dinner, like, during the week, it's not how, it's just not my thing. And it's not that I, I, I like these, I like them a lot. It's just that today's a nice day. And these people will come over and they'll be like, oh, let's sit outside. I'm like, oh, God damn it. And you know what? The main issue I have with this is that my back patio is covered in pollen. It's green. It's snotty. It makes your clothes dirty. And um, I'm not going to mention any names, but there are um, people that live in this house that I've asked, hey, could you power wash the patio and the pool furniture? And, you know, it's pretty pollen-y. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I've asked that individual to complete this task about, I don't know, 16 motherfucking times in the past month, and it's never gotten done. And so now I'm faced with, I don't like the way my home is looking right now. We have some landscaping issues that need to be resolved that aren't resolved. And I frankly don't want people that fucking, like, spend their winters in Palm Beach in massive houses to come to my shitbox and be like, this girl can't even hose off a chair. And I know that's elitist and I know it's annoying, but that is how I feel. I don't want people that spend their time flitting between their many homes to come to my one home and be like, this bitch can't even get this one thing done right. So that is how I feel about people coming into my space. I don't care if my ragamuffin friends come over with their ragamuffin kids and we all laugh about how there's like mouse shit in my pantry. That's hilarious. What I can't handle are people that are, I'm not that, I don't know that well that come over. It it gives me anxiety to think that they'll be like, oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. It just, it makes me angry. So what my husband does is he'll say, oh, these people are coming. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel like it, whatever. We'll see them another time. And I like a lot of notice. Like when I'm going out during the week, I need to get my sitter lined up. I want to like, you know, get this, get my things done that I need to do in the morning. And then I can take the shower and do my hair. I want to look nice, you know, whatever. I don't want to text at 1030 in the morning, the day of, oh, well, we're, you know, we're hurting their feelings by not, I'm like, really? Nobody texted me. Nobody said to me, let's make plans. So don't put that shit on me. Oh, they could just come over to the house. No, because people coming over to my house is work for me. While you're sitting on a patio, 
or wheeling your golf cart around drinking beer. I'm out running errands and putting cheese and crackers on plates and fucking power washing the deck that I've asked you to do 900 times. So to me, it's a big ask. Like it, may, it might seem like no big deal. Like have your friends over. Yeah, I'll have my friends over that I see every day that know that I'm a disaster. And, you know, we live in like a dilapidated old disaster. But people that I don't see that much that are have a different lifestyle than us, I would like things to be a little more polished. So, and so now I'm the asshole. Well, why can't you just, uh, yeah, you know what? I didn't get advance notice. Nobody contacted me to set this up in a timely amount of time. And I mean, I know this sounds elitist and shitty and, but I'm just telling you, like, I think that, I think that this is a normal thing. I think that there are some people, I mean, I don't think, I, I don't think that my house will ever be nice enough for me to want people to come over and like critique it. It's just, it's never going to happen. We could have a, we could have a 12 bedroom Teresa Judice mansion and I would still have anxiety about people coming over. And again, it's fine if it's like the mothers I see every day with their kids and stuff, that's fine. But I just, I just don't, I don't know. He's always inviting people to stay the night and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like I just, I don't have that kind of a home. Like I don't have some sprawling mansion with guest quarters. Like we don't have that. Like some 60 year old man who's by the way, married to a multi, multi, multi millionaire is going to sleep in my shitty guest room where my son keeps his like extra X-Men. Like it's a little, I'm like a little embarrassed. So it, my husband, my husband doesn't realize is that I just, I would like to be included on the plans for people to come over. Like, a couple days in advance so that I can feel comfortable and you know get things the way I like them to look and I don't think that's a lot to ask and I don't think it makes me a jerk and I don't think it makes me selfish and I just I like to present myself this is probably not an accurate way but I like to present myself in a in a way that I want people to walk into my home and feel comfortable and not like they're walking into the middle of chaos and there's laundry everywhere and there's like dinner all over the place and I don't have wine because I don't I, I really don't keep like alcohol in the house because we don't really drink during the week so the only time I would have alcohol in the house is if I went out and got it and like chilled it for hours like I just I don't want to have to spend my day running around like a psycho to make someone feel comfortable for two hours in my house when I don't and then I'm like I don't know I, I does anyone else feel this way I just I have this anxiety about people in my space at the last minute that I'm not that that don't know me that as well like I just I love entertaining but I just I want to do it on my own terms if that makes sense and I just I feel like I'm always put in this position where I'm forced to entertain people that I don't know that well in like a weird intimate way where they're like sleeping in my house or like last minute things where I'm not putting my best foot forward and I just find that very unfair and I feel like my husband does not understand that so I would just like I would just like to go on the record this will be published on iTunes for everyone to hear that I I don't mind entertaining people I don't like people coming over but I want a, a normal amount of time to prepare and I want to be included on the plans and I want I just think it's disrespectful to assume that someone will just drop everything. You know, someone with two children, by the way, that 
today I have to take them somewhere and I'm not gonna be back till later and I don't have the right stuff at home and I would have this would have been three hours of errands and prep time that my husband doesn't give two shits about because he doesn't ever think about anything like that because I do everything and um yeah so that's how I feel about that um sorry I just that's on my mind and if I don't get that off my chest then we're not gonna be able to talk about anything fun <laughs> What what's fun? Okay. Oh my god. So um there's been a lot of nasty like I wish I could post some of it, but I don't want to like inflame people. There's been a lot of really hilarious like um like mask shaming and mask wearing discussions on our local boards here. And it's interesting because you know, everyone, basically everyone in our area, probably America at this point is I don't want to get political, whatever. Everyone that, basically, this is a fact, that everyone that wants to be vaccinated is able to do so or has done so. So there are many people around here and around the country that are saying, well, if that is the case, which it is, that most people that want to, no, every single person that wants to be vaccinated and is willing to be vaccinated is or is in the process of doing so. So, we believe, <clears throat> I mean, these people believe that we should start, uh, these people should start to relieve some restrictions, mainly mask wearing outside, which, I mean, I'm not going to get into it, but a lot of people feel that um, when you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask outside, <laughs> which when that came forward, I was like, I've been doing that like since like forever, like I've never worn a mask, up. whatever, but now people are starting to say, well, the summer camps and the kids, and whatever, who cares? It's, I'm not getting into it, and I don't want to hear your opinion, and I'm not looking for that. But I'm frankly tired of fighting with people online. But the, the interesting thing is people are now tearing each other apart over these how-do-we-move-forward things, which is I think is really sad because what, the, the whole, what we're missing the point of is that I will say it's very, we are very fortunate that we live in a world, in a country, where this has been done for us in a timely manner, I believe, that um, we are able to get it at little to no cost to us, and I feel fortunate in that, that I, I believe in our healthcare system, it doesn't always work out the best way we want to, but in terms of the developed countries of the world, we are really doing excellently and if you compare us even to like the UK our rollout has been incredibly stellar we had a we have some bumps here and there but I I mean in the in the in the general rolling out of this vaccine I can't say there's a country that's done better than us so I think that's the whole point of this whole thing and it is here and there is medicine and it's going to get better but I think in my bubble little my little piece of the world of fighting is worse. So, and it, it's it's getting to the point where like someone's, my friend's husband is a very smart guy. One of them is, I don't even know what he does for a living actually, but he posts really thoughtful, thought-provoking, science-backed articles about, you know, maybe we should start to let the children go to school without masks. And you know, then my other friend has, um, her husband is a very, very, very accomplished 
child uh, epidemiology, I might be saying this wrong, whatever, the infectious disease doctor for kids. So he's been on the front lines of COVID. He's seen everything. He's an expert on Miss C, which was the the rare form of COVID that was affecting children for, a, a, it was kind of hitting a point last summer where we were worried, but he's one of the leading world's experts on this. And so they're, you know, they've been good resources for us during this time. And you know, the two of them, he tries to stay out of it because he's like got a job to do and he's like a little too busy for this. But one of the guys will like post an article, you know, on a parent page and then people will just start screaming at him like, you motherfucker, you know, you're, you're a COVID denier and whatever. And it's like, oh my God. So, and it's, it's crazy because the first thing, and I'm talking about everybody, the first place people will go is just start insulting people. Like the knee jerk reaction, if someone's like, I think children should maybe not wear masks, you know, outside and someone will be a Trump supporter. And it's like, okay, can we just let it go? The guy is not in office anymore. There's no such thing as a Trump supporter anymore. There's nothing to support. He's, he's playing golf in New Jersey. Like there's no such thing as a Trump supporter. Move the fuck on. And I just think like across the board, like no matter what side you're on, like people are starting to be like, could we move this along? Like enough, we've all done, like we're a little bit tired of it. And, but it's fine. Like, I don't know. I read something that a study, and I'm going to quote this wrong, but I don't have it in front of me. But basically the study said that when you're arguing with someone online, the part of the brain that sees people as human shuts down. And the part of the brain that sees people as like just, objects takes over so you're really just you've dehumanized this person that you're fighting with and turned them into an animal and so you feel that you have like free reign to tear them apart and I admit I'm I was like thinking I've done that too I mean I I'll I mean I don't go off on anybody I don't care I can't even tell you I've been kicked out of like four at least three maybe four um parent boards in my town which (laughs) I could give two shits about, but, um, I mean, I've def, I, there are th- basically you'll say things to a computer that you'd never say to a person's face, which I guess we're all guilty of, but it's, it's interesting to keep in the back of my head. If you like, if you wouldn't say to the person's face, maybe don't say it, you know, in a, online, I don't know, but narcissists, you know, I love narcissist talk, but narcissists are shame avoidant. So they don't want to hear when they're wrong. They don't want to discuss their personality. They don't want to hear about, you know, that kind of thing. So it's funny. Like if, if, if I can, there's been a couple times where I've insulted somebody online and then they've like private messaged me and it's like, hey, you know, and I'm like, oh, fuck, sorry. Like, you know, and I have deleted things because sometimes I'll say something and then I'll realize later that it wasn't kind or it wasn't thoughtful or it wasn't productive. And I'm the first to admit that I am, I'm, I, I'm guilty sometimes, but I, I have tried to reason with some people like offline even. I'm like, let's, you know, message nothing. I mean, they're completely, so I'm like, you know me, I'm like narcissist. And you know, there's several types of narcissists. I can now identify the types. But all narcissists are shame avoidant, which means that they're never wrong. They will completely shut down when you try to explain to them why they're wrong, why they've hurt you, why you feel the way you do. And they'll say things like, I'm sorry you feel that way. 
you're so sensitive, that kind of shit. When really, it's not that hard. I, believe me, I am the apologizer. That is my superhero name. I am the apologizer. Put a big A on my chest. And, but I think that there's so many people that just won't even, whatever. So my point is, just don't engage with them. You could try, but don't. It's, I, I, ever, I don't know. I found myself lately, like, hitting reply and then being like, oh, forget it. Like, do I really want to do this? It's going to be, you know. Who, this could end in another, in another suspension from a group. I don't know how much more I can take. Anyway. Elon Musk went on SNL and, you know, a lot like A.D. Bryant wouldn't go on with him. People hate this guy. I guess, I'm not really sure. I guess because like he was like downplaying COVID. I don't know. Whatever. A lot of people downplayed COVID. And it was like a big thing that he was on SNL. First of all, I couldn't think of a worse guest on SNL than Elon Musk. Like who does, I don't think he understands like regular humor. He's said that he's autistic or has Asperger's, which ex honestly, I'm not making fun of it, but it explains a lot because the guy is very awkward and weird. He has like no presence. Well, he does have a presence, but it's, it's awkward. It's unnerving. And I've never seen him as funny I honestly think SNL was like looking for con. I bet their ratings were down and they were like, let's put this weirdo on SNL. And he talked about dog coin. I mean, he, it was like, what? Why? This is not even going to be funny. I mean, SNL is not funny, but it's really not funny when they try to be edgy. Anyway, what else? What else? What else? So, I don't know. I just want to say, I was just thinking about today how there's like nothing on Netflix and. I, I just hope that, you know, in 10 months when this is all over, hopefully it's over. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear about this. I don't want to read. There's going to be books coming out, mini series on CVL, the pandemic. This doctor's going to write a book. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want to live through it again. I don't want to see an HBO six part documentary on this. Please don't do this, people. Nobody is going to want to do it. I made the mistake about six months ago watching Contagion again with Gwyneth Paltrow. And, like, I don't know why, but I thought it would be funny to watch it again and, like, look for clues. But it was really, it's just, it's a horrible movie. It's very weird. I don't like it. And uh, it's awful. So, anyway, my point is, nobody wants to watch movies about this pandemic. Please don't make them. I don't want to see, like, a... Ryan Murphy documentary about the pandemic with fucking Sarah Paulson as a doctor. Like, please don't do it. Oh, what else? What else? What else? Oh, I talked to my dad yesterday. He's doing great. He's, um, my, oh my God. He was talking yesterday. He got a, a laminator machine, like to laminate stuff. And he's going to laminate my mom's COVID vaccine card. And my father will take the most menial task and it will take hours and I mean, I think to laminate something at Staples will be, I think it will, I think it takes eight minutes, maybe or six minutes at Staples. You just sit there. Can you laminate this? Sure. No problem. A little wait, put the machine on, press start, wait for it to heat up. Then you put the thing together, flip it over. Okay. Here you go, Miss Nichols. It's $2. Great. Well, laminating my mom's COVID card took uh, about six hours. And there was a lot of questions. Should I leave parts of it unlaminated so that she can add things to it later? Or 
Do you think she wants the edges to stick out? Or would she like them tucked back so that they don't catch on things or rip? Sometimes when you leave an edge, you know, a quarter of an inch, you know, on the sides to make it look nice. Sometimes when you do that, they catch on things and then the whole thing rips. Do you tuck them back? Does she want the whole thing shrunk down on a scanner and then laminated? Do you want to just laminate a copy of your COVID vaccine card, Sue? Or do you want the original laminated? That is how he works. Now it's going to be, he's going to bring it. They're going to come to our house this summer. He's going to bring his laminator. He's oh, do you want this laminated? Everything's going to be laminated. I'm already, I got to make a list. What, what do I want laminated? How many questions do you want to be asked about it? Anyway, anyway. Oh, I'm watching. Um, this is random. I There's nothing to watch. There's nothing left on Amazon. There's nothing left on uh, Netflix. I got to wait a week between, what's that called? Handmade Tales. I can't. So a week between good girls. So I found something. I love Sharon Horgan. She is the writer and the star of what was that called? Catastrophe, which is excellent on Netflix. If you've never watched it, please watch it. It's just wonderful. And it's pre-pandemic, so it won't give you PTSD. So Sharon Horgan has written another show. She's not in it, sadly, but it's called Motherland. And it's on the BBC in the UK. I was able to find it on... If you type in Motherland Season 1 on Amazon Prime, and then you can subscribe to Sundance Now, the app. Oh, calm down, Greg. I didn't buy another app. Calm down. I'll stare it up. No. You can get a free trial. You get 10 days. These episodes are 30 minutes long each. And they're TV 30 minutes, which means they're 22 minutes. You can, you can bang through this real quick. So it's about this chick in England. She's like a working class mom. Her mother, she's a working mom. Her husband works too. And she's got these two kids. And her mother was caring for the kids like after school and stuff so she could work. And then all of a sudden, the mom was like, the mom in the first episode, I'm not giving anything away, but whatever. The mom comes to the door and she's got, she's like 70 and she answers the door with like a horrible sunburn and like cornrows, <laughs> like a white old lady in cornrows. And the daughter's like, oh, you're back from your cruise, mom. Great. Here are the kids. And the mom's like, oh. And then she goes, actually, mom, my friend saw you at the market on Tuesday. And she, the mom's like, oh. And then she's like, listen, I don't want to watch your kids anymore. And like basically slams her face. So this mom, I forgot her name, whatever. She has to go and find a way to, like she's trying to find a way to like half care for the kids and half work. And like, and then she like, all of a sudden she has to meet all the moms. So there's like this one mean mom and then the rest of them are kind of cool. And like, she's sort of in the misfit mom group. And then there's like this one mean mom that's like, She's not actually mean. She just makes everyone feel really inadequate, which is like, <laughs> it's like so my life, you know. Um, it's a, it's all of us, right? There's just like one mom that's like, oh, you know, there's nitrates in those hot dogs. Are you sure? Like, I feel like you guys just had McDonald's. Ooh, don't you worry about their growth pattern? Like, it's like one of those. It's really funny. Somehow it didn't annoy me. Like, sometimes these mom shows annoy me because they're like, wine time. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. No, it's not like that. It's really funny. Anyway, it's worth getting this like weird subscription on Sundance. They give you 10 days free and then it's like if you forget to cancel it, it's only $7. So you could just like finish the month and then cancel it again. But it's really funny. It's Sharon Horgan. If you love that humor, I highly recommend it. It's called Motherland. I wish I had thought of it.
All right, let's get into what's going on with Courtney Stodden and Chrissy Teigen. Teigen, Teigen, whatever, who cares? Um, it's not a great week for Chrissy Teigen. We just found out Target has pulled her cookware line, probably in response to this. But I don't know if you guys have followed what's going on, but Chrissy Teigen, Teigen, whatever, is in deep shit. And um, I don't think it's a hot look for her. So basically where this starts is... In 2011, Courtney Stodden was a 16-year-old girl who frankly looked like she was 41 when she was 16. She had fake boobs. She was an aspiring model. And if you guys remember, her mother famously signed over basically custody and permission for Courtney at the age of 16 to marry Doug Hutchinson, who was a 51-year-old acting coach. And he also appeared as an actor in The Green Mile. Um... This was in 2011, and safe to say 2011 doesn't sound like that long ago, but it really was in terms of the types of things which people felt were appropriate and the sort of humor that we were using, and I'll explain that, but in the, kind of in the context of this Chrissy Teigen thing. So, Teigen, whatever. Teigen, I don't know, whatever. So, Courtney Stodden, as I said, was an aspiring model, and reality star and her mother signed her over basically to marry Doug Hutchinson in 2011 and he was 51 and she was 16. So in most states you cannot marry until you're 18 without parental consent which is still just so disgusting but whatever. Stodden and the reason why this is coming up now is Courtney Stodden it appears, she has not said this, but it appears that she's been appearing on different talk shows and she's talked to the Daily Beast lately. So my assumption is she's gone through some intensive therapy. She's now divorced from Doug, Doug Hutchinson. Um, their divorce was finalized right at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was last year. So they were married probably nine years. And I believe she has gone through some intense therapy during the pandemic. And now she's speaking out as part of her She's trying to like take back her life, which I applaud her completely. This poor girl, I mean, I can't imagine just like the trauma she's gone through and, you know, feeling like everyone is against you and, and, and no one had your best interest at heart. So, and this girl is 27 now and it's pretty sick. But anyway, so, um, by the way, Stodden now identifies as non-binary, just putting that out there. I mean, the poor girl, she's probably been sexually abused for years, so she's probably like, oh, fuck it, I'm non-binary. The guy, that guy did it to her, this Doug, Doug Hutchinson. So she said, quote, she has felt Hutchinson had groomed and absolutely taken advantage of her, and I think that's really sad, but if you look back on the last, like, at the time of their marriage and the media coverage over the years of their marriage has been very oddly um, directed at her, like the... The vitriol has been directed at her, which I think if that had happened today in 2021, I think people would be calling him a pedophile. But in 2011, it was all of the hate was like directed at her. So I think Joy Behar made fun of her on The View. Um, Courtney Love called her a whore. Um, and Chrissy Teigen had ridiculed her on her Twitter feed. But she had also, there's also been some DMs, which are private messages on Instagram, that Chrissy Teigen had sent to Courtney Stodden, and this was a 16-year-old girl, mind you, 
of where Tigan tells her to, quote, take a dirt nap, which means to kill yourself. And, you know, telling her she wishes she was dead. And it's, it's really terrible. And it's not, it's not done in like a, Courtney didn't even respond to her. And there were just texts, like one-sided texts, um, DMs going to Courtney Stodden from Chrissy Teigen. And at the time you're like, I mean, this is a girl, she was a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model sending damaging, disruptive, abusive texts to a 16-year-old girl. And it's pretty sick um, if you think about it. So, I mean, the first thing your, your mind goes to is like, is she jealous? Why the hell would Chrissy Teigen be jealous of Courtney Stodden? I don't know. But, I mean, I read through all of it. And now I'm thinking, like, Chrissy Teigen is a mean girl. Like, I know I know a lot of you guys love her. Oh, she's so funny. Like, she's the model that is also funny. And she cooks. And she's so relatable. And, I, I mean, this girl's a bitch. Okay? I don't care... I think I'm going to give her a little bit of slack. And don't come at me. I'm just pointing it out. In 2011, there was no Me Too movement. There was no anti-pedophile movement as there is now. In 2011, the culture was a little different than it is now. This was pre-Me Too movement. This was pre-everyone's a pedophile movement. This was the era of Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler was a late night comedian who started her, she was the first female, I'm sorry, actually Joan Rivers was the first, but she had been the first in a long time female comedian to headline a late night TV show called Chelsea Lately. It was very popular. I loved it. And she was ruthless. I mean, she, she was famously going after the Kardashians all the time. She called people sluts. She called girls pigs. She constantly went on TV and did her show drunk. And there was sort of this like mean girl humor going on. And I, a lot of you guys will know what I'm talking about. You'll remember, it was like every girl would just cut each other down and we all thought it was funny. And then it sort of flipped and it sort of stopped. So my, my defense of Chrissy is that I think that she was sort of done with being a swimsuit model. She was dating John Legend. I don't think they were married yet, but I think they were dating. And I think she wanted to kind of flip the script and maybe segue into being like a talk show host or some kind of an edgy TV persona a la Chelsea Handler, who was very popular at the time. And this sort of mean girl shit was, it was all over her Twitter. So in 2019, after Chrissy had her second child, she had... A social, me a social media consultant come in that she paid, uh, I think, an upwards of $90,000 to this individual. And she had over 60,000, 60,000 old tweets deleted from her Twitter. And don't forget, Chrissy Teigen loves to poke at us and say, I'm off Twitter. I'm not doing Twitter. And she spent a lot of last year... Um, I don't know how to say this without sounding unkind, but I'm going to say it. She spent a lot of last year trying to garner sympathy and attention for her uh, stillborn child, which was, listen, it's a horrible thing. Pregnancy loss is devastating. It's awful. But, I mean, she, she put photographs of this child on her Instagram. I mean, she talks about it at every 
second she can, it's a bit much. And it's like, it's a little bit like, I don't want to say triggering for me because that's like a really annoying word, but I found it strange how much attention mongering she needed from this pregnancy loss. And it really began to annoy me. Like, I, I think it's fine to like mourn your child and be devastated and talk about it. And I think you could talk about it a little bit, but like, did we really need to see the pictures? Like, couldn't you just, you know, hiring the photographer and then putting them out? Like, could you just, I don't know, maybe the, I feel like some things are private and I just, I don't understand it. I mean, and it's just like awareness. Well, there's, there's plenty of awareness around pregnancy loss. Like talk to any woman over the age of 25. We've, you can find a million women that have suffered a pregnancy loss. So it's not special. It's not, it, it just, it just felt icky to me. Like she was trying to get popular from it or something. Does that make sense? It just, it just went on and on and on. God, one post. That's all, you, whatever. Anyway. So, okay. So some of Chrissy's old tweets. She's um, told uh, Courtney Stodden to commit suicide. And she has told her to take a dirt nap, which I think, I, again, I just said, I think it's, she was trying to be funny and be like Chelsea Lately or whatever. But I mean, okay, so here's what she said. At Courtney Stodden, my Friday fantasy, you, dirt nap, mm, baby, go to sleep forever at Courtney Stodden. I mean, that's pretty shitty. Oh, here's another one. At Courtney Stodden, what drug makes you do that with your mouth? Asking for a friend who really wants to know how to look like an idiot. Thanks. Here's another one. At Courtney Stodden, do you have a family? Hmm, here's another one. You are just so fucking weird, seriously. I mean, it goes on and on. Oh, here's another one. At Courtney Stodden, I hate you. At Courtney Stodden, why do you speak like a Fabio book? Oh, that's kind of funny, actually. <laughs> okay, so horrible things like that and then the dms are even worse i mean it's like this is it i think the public stuff as i said before was like a chelsea handler i'm so edgy like take no prisoners no fucks given kind of thing but the private messages are what really made my stomach turn because i think a lot of things you know i said it at the top of the show earlier there's a lot of things that people will say in a facebook group to kind of pile on to somebody and you know shame them but to say something like that to someone privately is a whole nother ball of wax like that's that's mean and I don't know I I think I think Chrissy Teigen is a mean girl um here's a here's a DM Chrissy sent to Courtney in 2012 I can't wait for you to die Courtney doesn't respond Okay, so that's pretty awful. Um, Chrissy Teigen has publicly come out and said, quote, I'm mortified and sad at who I used to be. I was an insecure, attention-seeking troll. I am ashamed and completely embarrassed by my behavior, but that is nothing, to com nothing compared to how I made Courtney feel. Okay. I have worked so hard to give you guys joy. Oh, fucking eye roll. And be beloved, ugh. And the feeling of letting you down is nearly unbearable, truly. These were not my only mistakes and surely won't be my last. 
as hard as I try, but God, I will try, exclamation point. I have tried to connect with Courtney privately, but since I publicly fueled all this, I also want to publicly apologize. I'm very sorry, Courtney. I hope you can heal now knowing how deeply sorry I am. I am sorry I let you guys down. I will forever work on being better than I was 10 years ago, one year ago, six months ago. So this was all in a series of like five tweets. Um, I think I see it both ways. A lot of people are like, she just wanted to save ass and she's trying to protect her brand. And I believe that. And I, but I, and I also believe that she wants to publicly do it because if she reaches out to her privately, you know, maybe that's not enough. And I don't know, but Courtney is like, she never reached out to me. And Chris, and then Courtney posted an Instagram post where she proves that Chrissy Teigen has blocked her. So she's like, how could she have reached out to me if she's blocked me? So unless she's got her phone number, which I doubt that she does, um, she hasn't reached out to her and hasn't connected with her. And she chose to do it solely on Twitter, which to me just says, I only care about what the public thinks of me. So I think that's pretty gross. Um, and, it, it, and don't forget, Courtney Stodden wasn't the only person that was kind of bullied by Chrissy T. I hate that word, but I mean, this kind of is bullying. This is like online bully behavior. And, but she said something to Lindsay Lohan. Um, she said, <laughs> I hope, this was in 2013. She said to Lindsay Lohan, at Lindsay Lohan, when you wake up in the morning, do you want to slit your wrist knowing that you could have been Emma Stone? Basically, what that refers to is that Emma Stone was like the hot potato, you know, cute redhead, you know, quirky little actress, hot thing in Hollywood after Lindsay Lohan sort of fell apart. That's really mean. And it's funny because another comedian has come out since then and said, I fucking made that joke in 2013 online and then Christy Teigen stole it so but it wasn't like the slit your one more thing a lot of you have asked me to dive into the drama surrounding Dr. Tiffany Moon and Cameron Westcott on The Real Housewives of Dallas now a lot of you don't watch this I do and I will tell you honestly it's a trash heap and if you haven't ever watched The Real Housewives of Dallas you don't need to start because it's pretty bad but I'm invested. I like to talk about these things. And um, I'm still interested in the trajectory of this show and these people on it. So you don't need to watch the show. The reunion, however, was fire. And this is where a lot of this drama started. And But to understand it, I think you need to go back about a year. So about a year ago, after season four ended, Leanne Locken, who was a veteran on the the road, as I call it, Real Housewives of Dallas. She was let go for using racist uh, remarks towards another cast member, Carrie Brittingham. Carrie's a Mexican woman with a thick accent, and Leanne, on camera, made fun of her accent and made fun of her Mexican heritage, and they decided to let her go. So after Leanne gets let go, a video surfaces... An Instagram live of Brandy Redman, another veteran cast mate, and she's in her car with her two young daughters, and she is 
mocking um, her Asian nail technician's voice. And it was kind of weird because you can tell in the video that she was like trying to be funny and you know, she made a reference to squinty eyes and she used a voice like this and you know, her girls are laughing and it's just like looking at it now, it's like, oh God, it's so cringe. So in this video, it was interesting. I remember seeing this on, Br on Brandy's Instagram, like when she first came on the show and being like, oof, and like moved on. And at the time it wasn't like, you know, everyone's a racist kind of culture. So no one really said much about it, but this video has surfaced since Leanne's firing. And I think it's been rumored that Leanne brought up the video to get back at Brandy. And just to, just to point out the hypocrisy of it all, you know, I was kicked off the show, but you're letting this girl stay. So in Leanne's place on the show, they hire an Asian woman named Dr. Tiffany Moon. And when I heard that, and then I heard that the video was going to be discussed on the show, I'm like, oh God, here we go again. This is classic Bravo when they bring in a woman of color and they give them the unfortunate role of being the social justice warrior. And, you know, it's a woman that doesn't have any real friendships with any of the people on the show and it's just to appear diverse and it's very forced. And then the whole season is about diversity. And I thought, oh my God, the whole fucking season is going to be about Brandy being put in her place by this Asian woman. So I'm like, whatever. So I gave it a try. I like Dr. Tiffany Moon very much. She is... She's a little bit, she's got a little bit of a valley girl voice, which sort of grated on me, but she's an anesthesiologist. She had a beautiful house. She has two cute little twin daughters and she's an amazing closet. She's very wealthy. Um, she was a good addition, I thought. And I, the first episode, Brandy goes up to her and I'm like, oh God, here we go. And she's like, listen, I think you, you know, have heard about me and I want you to know that I'm not racist and I didn't do it with any bad intentions. And Tiffany Moon is like, hey, I'm cool with you. I, I'm sure you didn't mean it in a bad way, but I want you to know when I was little and I grew up in Texas, you know, people made fun of me for being Asian and, you know, to other Asian women that hurts. And that was it. And they kind of got over it. So then they appear to move on from this. About halfway through the season, they're on a cast trip. And Brandy goes up to Tiffany. I mean, this thing is like never, and they appear to have a good time. Everyone's like doing their thing. Halfway through the season, Brandy goes up to Tiffany and she's like, hey, I just want you to know. She has this little girl voice. I just want you to know that I just feel like, I just feel weird around you. Like I can't be myself around you. And Tiffany's like, what the fuck? So I, right then and there, I feel bad for Tiffany Moon because she's like, why am I? Just because I'm Asian, I have to take the brunt of your guilt? Like, no. And Tiffany's like, look, I don't care. And you shouldn't feel weird around me. And I thought we talked about this. And like, it's it's not much. And even Tiffany said to confessional, she's like, I'm sorry I'm Asian. What do you want me to do? It was just so weird. And I, I think she was sort of putting the pieces together. Like, why am I here? Like, I'm here to just make this girl feel uncomfortable. Like, what the hell? And it was so strange. And then... They kind of buried that and then other thing happens. Cut to the reunion. Oh, oh, I forgot one thing. So in the season, they've woven these little, you know, situations throughout where Tiffany is exposing these, you know, idiot Dallas women to her. I'm saying idiot, like that's how it was portrayed. 
like to what Chinese culture is. And they're like, we're going out for dim sum. And I'm like, you people are like in one of the most metropolitan cities in America and you've never heard of dim sum. And they're acting like this Chinese restaurant is like, oh, what's this? Like, are you joking me? Whatever. So Tiffany decides that she's going to have the girls eat chicken feet, which is a Chinese delicacy. And they're deep fried and they look kind of good and whatever. And most of the girls are like polite and they put them on their plates and they sort of nibble at the crust and whatever. And Cameron Westcott, another cast member, is like, nah, I'm not going to eat that. And Tiffany's like, why not? You're insulting me. And now Cam is... Ma Married to a very rich guy, Westcott, Court Westcott, who is part of, you know, Dallas society. Very wealthy dude. And she's a little, she plays this dumb blonde. She's a little prim and proper. But I was kind of on her side in this situation where they tried to paint her as like, a, not racist, but they tried to paint her as like intolerant because she wouldn't eat chicken feet. Like, and they, it just went on and on and on. And finally Cameron like put it on the floor and was like, look, I ate it. And I could tell that they were trying to, like, paint, like, a tense moment between the two of them. And I was actually on her side with this. I'm like, you know, why the hell does she have to eat chicken feet? That's gross. And, like, forcing someone to eat something they don't want to eat is awful. Cut to the reunion. Uh, Cameron shows up to the reunion with a pink box full of texts, printed out texts and Twitter messages. And she's basically going after Tiffany it's pretty clear that Tiffany, she felt that Tiffany set her up in the chicken feed situation to make her look like an idiot and make her look racist. And Cameron's like, well, you go on TikTok and you make fun of your mom's accent and that's racist. And Tiffany's like, it's my mom and that's how she talks. And it really kind of fell flat. So again, you know, Tiffany's really smart and Cameron is trying to come for her. And it's just like, boom, 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 falling flat, flat, flat. And I think that's kind of when, like, the audience started to turn on Cam. I mean, she was sort of a fan favorite. And her trying to come for Tiffany and tell her that she's racist for making fun of her mom's Asian accent, they were like, nobody's buying that. And so anyway, so off, but off camera, it gets a little nuts. So Cameron's husband, Court Westcott, is, you know, this wealthy guy, as I said. His brother's name is Chart. Not Chart, Chart, C-H-A-R-T, which is a ridiculous name. And the two of them start going after Tiffany, Tiffany Moon on Twitter. And it gets ugly. So let me see if I can pull some of these up. So here's a text from Chart. Man, I must be really scary to Tiffany Moon MD if she needs to block me for no reason. I've spoken to her twice, once when she was blackout drunk in my house but needed to get home for early work. Wonder if she had a hangover while working on her patients. Here's another one from Cameron. Tiffany sent Cameron a tweet. And it was, oh, so Cameron posted a picture of her. She makes pink dog food. That's her little business. And she wrote, tastes better than chicken feet. Hee hee. And then Tiffany sent her an emoji of a clown, a clown face. Then Cameron says, so this is a white face because I'm white? Or is this because I'm a clown? Wow, I thought we're moving on. I'm like, really? So now, Chart and Court start talking about anti-racism as being racist. So Court says, 
at Tiffany Moon MD. Anti-racism is racism. It discriminates by the color of one's skin. They tried that once in Germany. It didn't work out well. I don't understand how many of your patients would be comfortable with you treating them drunk. Wow. Okay. Then Chart, the brother, says, Notice how every single person comments and not a single one of them repudiates this underlying point that anti-racist training teaches and advocates for discrimination on the basis of skin color. Oh my God. So basically, at that point, at these tweets going around, uh, Tiffany Moon puts in her Twitter, uh, her Instagram bio, former member of Real Housewives of Dallas. People pick up on it immediately, and then about 20 minutes later, it's removed, and it says cast member. So, and then, oh, and then Bravo puts out a statement saying that they stand behind Tiffany Moon. So that's what's going on with that. I think that Cameron just got herself fired, and it could have been because Tiffany said, it's her or me. And, you know, these two guys are harassing her, and she was completely right in this situation. Cam tried to put her down, and, you know, I never use words like this because I feel that they're, you know, overused and used, weaponized, but, I mean, if Cameron and these two assholes aren't the definition of white privilege, I don't know what is, but it's pretty bad. So, it's not a good look for them, and... I don't know how they're going to recover from this, but watch this space. Wow. Okay, one more scandal to get through, and it's a good one. Well, it's not a good one. It's a juicy one, but man, is it sad. So last week, Josh Duggar of the Duggar family from TLC's 19 Kids and Counting was arrested. At first, we were not aware of his arrest, but I knew the minute I heard this, I knew it was kitty porn. I just knew... Don't ask me how I know. I'm not psychic, but I just had a feeling. There were rumors floating around that because the, the only thing that was revealed at the time of his arrest was that it was because of, quote, materials seized from his work computer. His work was at a used car lot that he used to own and has now been since shut down. It has been shut since 2019. So... People were speculating, oh, maybe it's tax fraud or some kind of like a Jen Shaw situation. No. Les does not forget that in 2015, it was revealed that Josh Duggar had been previously molesting his sisters, um, Ginger, Jessa, I can't remember the other one, some J person. And his parents said that at the time the girls were underage, Josh was... I believe over 18, but they decided to handle the matter privately. What that meant was Josh had been sexually interfering with his sisters at, at one point when the girls were underage and under his care. And the girls told their parents and the parents said that they brought their information to a friend of the family who was a, re, who was a retired police officer and they then sent Josh to intense therapy, which was basically, I did some research, it's basically like a Christian like camp for turning kids to be not gay and like teach them that sex is bad. So you can imagine how well that worked out. At the time, TLC pulled the show, 19 Kids and Counting. The girls received their own spinoff called Counting On. And... The, fam the parents and Josh were removed from television. Josh went on to marry his wife, Anna, 
and they now have five children, soon to be six, and Anna is pregnant with her sixth child. At the time of his arrest, she was pregnant. So, oh, and they also, they also announced her pregnancy about two days before the news came out that he was arrested. So, what's this all about? Basically, uh, this guy is a sexual predator. He has uh, some sex addictions that go beyond uh, curiosity as they tried to sort of explain away when the incident happened with his sisters. And what happens when the person doesn't have actual consequences for their deviant actions as what, what was directly what happened here, the person's uh, desires are not able to be satisfied and they get more perverse and more illegal and more sick. And it was revealed that Josh had over 50 uh, child pornography images on his work computer. And the children in the videos and, and photos were as young as two, which is so horrific. I, I'm going to try to leave emotion out of it because it's just not helpful. But it's that's really like that's the lowest of the low of human garbage, if you ask me now. How do people obtain these images and how does the FBI find them? Well, they are only available to people on what we call the dark web, right? So there's search engines and things that you have to have special software in your computer to access and it's um, quite, quite rightfully crawling with undercover agents and whatnot because this is so serious. But you can't just go on your, you know, your Mac at home and be like, child having sex you can't do that because it's illegal number one and it's it's unfindable on the regular interwebs so josh had on his computer special software that allowed him to access this quote-unquote dark web these alternate basically alternate internets where you can purchase download and view illegal content on his computer, he also had software that was installed, allegedly, by his wife, Anna. And I guess after that incident where he was also caught on Ashley Madison and accused of sexually assaulting a stripper in 2017, Anna had, probably a combination of Anna and his creepy parents, had software downloaded on his computer to monitor his internet usage. In addition to that, Josh also had software that is designed to work around the watchdog software. So he had watchdog software from his wife and family, watchdog workaround software, probably downloaded by him, and then these illegal dark web gateways where he was accessing this illegal imagery. So he's in a lot of trouble. Um, the minimum charge for these counts is 20 years in prison. And what I found interesting is that he was released last week into the custody of his family and there was no stipulation about him seeing his children, which I find very disturbing that he is able to be around his children and that his wife let him back into their home. So either she doesn't believe it or she's completely brainwashed. Well, I found a letter posted on the internet and written by a person who was also part of the cult that the Duggar family is in. And she sort of answered these questions that we have, like why would this woman stay with him and continue to have 
children with a child molester. So here it goes. Why has Anna Duggar stayed with Josh and continued to have children with a confirmed child molester? My thoughts as a Duggar cult insider. The Duggar family is the poster family for a homeschool, patriarchal, fundamentalist cult called the Advanced Training Institute, also known as ATI, created by a man named Bill Gothard. We call him BG. My family was involved with ATI during the same years that the Duggar family was, and I used to hang out with the Duggar daughters in our small social circles. I escaped from ATI in 2015 after I came to the realization that I had been sexually groomed by BG, that's the guy Bill Gothard, as a minor. I joined a lawsuit against him with 18 fellow victims with similar allegations, and to this day I have been shunned by the community due to speaking out. Let me explain some of the very specific teachings of ATI in hopes that you will understand exactly why the Duggar family has handled the Josh situation the way they have, and why Anna has continued to stay by his side and continued to birth his children. Number one, the word abuse does not exist in ATI. When I came forward that I had been sexually molested as a child by my own father, it was not called abuse within my ATI circles. It was called, quote, being inappropriate. ATI followers are told that the way secular professional therapists and the way that the government handles abuse is bad. They are taught that sexual abuse is, more than anything, a sin, and therefore it must be handled within the church. Licensed professional therapists are considered dangerous, and so you are only allowed to seek Christian counseling. This is why when Josh first told his parents as a teenager that he was molesting his younger sisters, he was sent away to an ATI camp as therapy. Abuse is always dealt with this within the system. That explains a lot. Two, ATI followers are taught to be thankful for abuse. What? I was taught by Bill Gothard himself that when he found out I had been molested by my father that I needed to write my father a letter thanking him for molesting me because it made me spiritually stronger. Emotional, sexual, physical abuse are considered badges of honor within the system. There is no such thing as depression, anxiety, trauma response, or PTSD. And if you are dealing with symptoms of any of these, then you are told you are not trusting God. This is what the Duggar daughters have been told regarding the abuse they experienced from their brother. Three, ATI followers are taught something called, quote, the power of spoken blessing. If you are being abused by someone, you are not to confront them or seek help, but you are to pray a prayer that God would bless that person with the attributes that they are missing. Example, quote, God, please bless Josh with patience and kindness, end quote. Most of the responsibility in dealing with abuse situations is placed on the victim. Four, ATI followers are taught that homeschooling is the only godly way to educate your children. You were taught that public schools are dangerous and evil, and if they, you send your children to public school, they will reject God. Well, actually, that's probably true, but whatever. If Anna Duggar were to separate or divorce from her child molester husband, she would have to face the reality of putting her children in a public school while she went to work. This is unimaginably terrifying for an ATI woman because she is taught that this will destroy her children's lives. Five. ATI women are taught that their calling in life by God is to be a stay-at-home mom and homemaker. ATI women are taught that if they seek higher education or seek any employment outside the home, that they will be open to spiritual attacks from Satan and will be more than likely to be raped by a random attacker or one of their children might die. Women are told that they must live in a home under the authority of a man. Single women must live in their father's home until the authority has been, quote, transferred to their husband in a marriage ceremony. 
If Anna Duggar were to divorce and then live at her own home without the presence of an older male to protect her, she has been taught that she might be open to attacks from Satan and God might allow her to be raped or murdered by an intruder as punishment for being out of submission of male authority. Yes, ATI women are literally taught that living under the authority of a male will offer them guaranteed divine protection. This is an exact quote from ATI sales material. Six, ATI followers are taught birth control is a sin. They are taught that God opens and closes the womb. Ugh. And that preventing a pregnancy in any way, shape, or form is not trusting God. This means couples are not even allowed to consider natural family planning. For choosing to abstain from sex when the female is most fertile would mean you are not trusting God. Why has Anna continued to have children with Josh? Because she has been taught to believe that she does not have a choice. Seven, speaking of sex, ATI women are taught that it is a sin to refuse your husband's sex. They have taught that men have an uncontrollable drive and that if a woman was to deny her husband at any time, this could cause their husband to stumble and possibly have an affair or develop a porn addiction. Women are taught that they are at fault for their husband cheating on them because it wouldn't have happened had they given him enough sex. And of course, the man gets to decide what enough looks like. Okay, that's really sad, which means if this is true, which I believe it is, that this poor abused woman, Anna Duggar, is lying at bed at night thinking that all of these things that her husband has done is her fault, which is heartbreaking. Number eight. ATI followers are taught to practice shunning. When you are part of ATI, you live in a bubble. You are taught that the outside world is dangerous and that you shouldn't form relationships with anyone that does not conform to the same belief systems taught by ATI. You are also taught to not have any kind of relationship with people who have gone astray, left the system, including your family. If Anna Duggar were to leave, no one would help her. She has no life outside this fundamentalist world. She would not just be walking away from marriage. She would be walking away from her entire community, her life, her family, and her culture. The system is designed to keep you in the bubble out of fear. So there you are. Why has Anna Duggar stayed? Because she has been programmed to believe she doesn't have the choice to leave. Why have the Duggars continued to whitewash Josh's actions? Because they have been taught that what he did was inappropriate and, quote, a mistake, but nonetheless redeemable by God. They have been taught to deal with Josh's problems privately within ATI churches, and we all know how horrible that church is at properly handling abuse. Anna Duggar does not need your condemnation right now. She does not need criticism for staying with Josh. She should not be told that she's getting what she's asked for because she chose to stay. She's a victim of a system designed to trap women. She needs support. She needs love. She needs brave people coming forward and telling her that they will do whatever it takes to help her get out. Please share this post. It is time the world understood what the Duggars' lifestyle of old-fashioned family values is not one to be admired. It is a dangerous cult that harbors and protects abusers and blames and shames victims. Emily Elizabeth Anderson. Wow. So, this none of this is a surprise, really. I mean, we know that this is... We had a feeling that this was going on. It's pretty insane, but... Um, it does kind of explain why, you know, she's staying and I mean, God, I, I just, I don't know, but I feel so bad for this family. I feel bad for the sisters. I feel bad even for the parents because if this is how they grew up and I, I don't know, but, but then again, with all these rules that seems that ATI puts on these people, then how did they let 
TLC come in and film their life? I mean, wouldn't that be like, again, you know, outsiders getting a glimpse and stuff? And But I have to say, growing up, not growing up, but watching that show, 19 Kids and Counting, in the I have seen it. I don't, I know, I didn't watch it, but I've seen it. And I admit, I'm a little curious. They never once revealed the name of the church or the, the guy that heads it or any of that. So I just thought they were just super Christian. I didn't think that. So they were kind of trying to pass it off as like, oh, this is legit. And like the church looked real and everything. It wasn't like some creepy basement or. So they did do a really good job of trying to make it just look like super duper Christians. Anyway, so I talked to a lawyer and I asked her, um, she has a real fancy job. And so she's like, I don't want to come on, but I'll give you some thoughts about what's going on with Josh Jarrett. Because I was like, what is going to happen to him? So she said, I have litigated at least two cases with similar issues as Josh's. She said, one, he will likely only have supervised visitation. Since he's indicted, I would think they'll want court approved, not just family. Two, before he would get to see his kids unsupervised, he would likely need a psych eval. Interesting issue here from family law perspective is the wife. She will probably stand by him. So it isn't a regular custody case. No contact with kids is probably a condition of his bail or any release. But then after, but then what? It can end up with Child Protective Services. But someone with standing would need to bring a case if she doesn't. So that's interesting. So this is before he went, before he was released. So obviously he is allowed contact with his kids because he's back living in his house. And I think it's probably because they gave Anna the, the option of, do, you know, do you want him around your children? Do you want to make a case? And she said no. So that's really sad. So like someone someone would have to bring the case themselves outside of their family if they didn't want him to have contact with the children. So anyway, my guess, she said, my guess is this, if he's convicted and he will become a registered sex offender, he can't live with kids or have contact. But you need to trust that religious religion, but he's married to enforce. So basically like it's it's really difficult to prevent a person from seeing their children if the spouse doesn't agree to it. So there's no religious exemption um, for child molestation or child sex porn of any, any, any kind. So the thing that happened with the sisters, the parents are really smart. So the thing that happened with the sisters, by the time it was revealed, it was beyond the statute of limitations, meaning that they didn't have enough proof, enough time had passed by that and the, the parents probably asked not to press charges. So they knew that revealing that would be fine because there wasn't going to be any legal implications from it. So, and again, this is in Arkansas. So I'm not familiar with the laws there, but I'm sure they're pretty... I don't want to make a judgment call, but I, they're probably not that strict. The biggest issue is going to be his wife doesn't leave him. So then there isn't a regular custody case and either CPS will need to get involved or it needs to be a condition of his of his release if not nothing can be done so in her opinion you know she's like I have no knowledge of this but she's like I bet he was abused by the by a kid by someone from his church because I mean I, I believe that too I think that a lot of times this behavior is taught I don't think that people come out of the womb you know wanting to abuse family members I think you should go to prison but anyway so that's really sad I'll be watching this just because, um, number one, I can't wait to see this effort go down. And 
I just, and I, I want to see what kind of responsibility TLC takes with it. And if they, I think they should take the whole family off the show and just, I don't know, let them go away. All right, guys, that's it for this week. Um, next week, we have a huge true crime super size episode with Shannon. We get into the Delphi murders. So I'm giving you a little bit of homework. If you don't know this case, I did not before we discussed it. Please look into it. It's a cold case. It's an unsolved crime. It's heartbreaking, but it's it's one of these um, quote unquote fun ones where they there's Reddit feeds all over the place. People have crazy theories. The case was handled in a strange way. The cops are weird. The entire case is totally interesting and it will grip you. So, oh, and also the last episode was my um, Maura Murray episode. It was my highest rated episode ever except for the F Factor one. So I guess you guys like bad people. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I hope you like this scandal-packed episode and my new look, which is compliments of my good friend Chrissy. And with her permission, I will be promoting her business on the show next week. Do not forget to DM me, text me, email me with your small businesses, and I will promote you guys in my shows. Have a great week.